G'day, I'm Adam Spencer, and my guests today on Telstra Behind the Mic have a long history with supply chains and providing Australian businesses with insights and solutions to help optimise and secure supply chains across the country. Both of these gentlemen are well-placed to talk us through the enormous impacts that the pandemic has had on supply chains and on cyber security and how Telstra has been able to help businesses by developing specific industry solutions. Essentially what they've done is built and helped supply chain customers make better use of data. John Young Flores is the agribusiness supply chain and retail executive at Telstra and has years of experience in the end-to-end operations of the retail, industrial and B2B supply chains. Warren Jennings is Telstra's industry CTO for agribusiness supply chain and retail. For over two decades, he's focused on how enterprises and industries can derive value from digitisation and create value through the use of innovative and emerging technologies to solve real-world problems. John, Warren, welcome to Telstra Behind the Mic. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. John, let me start with you. Who are you exactly? I see the word agribusiness in your title, but it's a long title. Exactly what do you do in Telstra and how long have you been involved in this industry? Yeah, thanks, Adam, and um, great to uh, great to be in this podcast today. So, look, uh, I've been at Telstra for six years. Uh, uh, prior to this, I was the uh, supply chain executive at Telstra, so that meant that I had the uh, awesome opportunity of actually running the end-to-end supply chain operations for all of Telstra. So that's the retail, the uh, the uh, the network, and uh, some of the B two B or enterprise supply chain. And then over um, close to about a year ago, uh, an opportunity came in to, enter, to, co- to come and join the enterprise team, specifically in this role of industry executive. Um, so what we've done is we've grabbed the agribusiness, supply chain logistics, and retail industries, put them together. And if you think of them as circles, and if you think of a Venn diagram, you very quickly get an idea that these industries are adjacent to each other and that there's always a common theme or a link around technology solutions that can help them digitize themselves. So my role is I've got tremendous support from people like Warren and others in the business with the sole focus to go hard and to focus on, instead of selling customer solutions that are built to the needs of the customer, instead of flipping the conversation and building industry solutions that help address industry problems that we can then grab and tailor to the specifics of that customer once we get to that point. John, you had me at Venn Diagrams. What about you, Warren? You've also got agribusiness in your title. You're in a similar space. What role do you play at Telstra? How long have you been part of the game? Uh, So I've been part of Telstra for about 23 or 24 years now, which makes me feel really old. (laughs) Um, So uh, my role, I work with a lot of our key customers in particular industries and particularly agribusiness, supply chain and retail, the, um, the same ones John referred to, and both work with them on how those industries can either use existing technologies um, in new and innovative ways to solve a lot of their key business problems or help um, help address their hopes, dreams and aspirations, or how we can bring in some of the new and emerging technologies that are just over the horizon right now to do that. Okay, so let, let, let's go supply chain 101. You're both experts in the field, but at the most basic level, what, what is, John, what is the supply chain? Wow. Okay. That's, that's a great, great place to start. I think, uh, you know, I've got, I've got 11 year old twins, boy, girl, and they always hold me to account because I got to make things simple in a way that not because they're not smart, they're smarter than I am, but it's got to make sense to them. Supply chain Mm -hmm. is as simple as saying you want to get something from point A 
to point B in the most efficient and effective way possible. That's really what you're doing in, in supply chain. And, and what we're doing kind of when you think of supply chain in the context of, let's say, agribusiness, you want to be able to make sure that a meat producer in southeast Queensland is able to make sure that they get their cows and their meat into the um, process that ensures that that piece of steak gets to your house, to your plate, to your kitchen. And, and I, I should declare at this stage, I'm an absolute supply chain nuffy. I, I love it. I did some work with, with Woolworths a few years ago and, and we, we did their big day of supply chain, the big conference day. And I remember talking to a friend in advance saying what I was going to do for the day. I thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty boring work you do sometimes, Abbott. And I remember thinking, if, if you can't conceive of the problem of how many items are in a Woolworths or a Coles and how many different places in Australia and around the world they come from and the different impacts of seasons and and times of day and night and and issues you might have with labour or a strike or a hurricane or something to try and keep that system running. If that isn't exciting and interesting to you, I, I don't know what is. John, John, as we move into more global trade, I, I guess in some ways your, your supply chains could get more complex. They could come from anywhere in the world. At the same time, we're more digitised now. Are supply chains, is it easy to say, more or less complicated than they were, say, a decade ago? At the core, supply chains are doing the exact same thing that they've been doing since, since the uh, kind of the creation of the concept of the function or, 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 the, or the industry, whatever it is that you want to call it. What has happened is everything that you said is absolutely right. The interdependencies that exist and that happen when you expand the size of the supply chain and when you're now dealing with intercontinental shipping and receiving, when you're dealing with weather patterns, when you're dealing with storms that may be happening in a certain part of the ocean that were that probably wouldn't wouldn't be happening before because of climate change. I mean, I'll give you an example. Because of the Beijing Olympics, the Chinese government had to reduce the manufacture of magnesium and zinc, which are high pollutants in the area, to be able to accommodate for the Olympics. The reduction of magnesium and zinc production in China is doing nothing more than just accentuating the issue that we have right now with chip manufacturing all over the world. So imagine being someone at Apple that is trying to manage the production of iPhones right now. <laughs> how, how do you explain to that person, hey, you need to now account for the fact that the Winter Olympics are happening in Beijing? So yes, everything is more connected than ever before. And that creates a level of complexity that, that I think is probably beyond the capabilities of, of what a normal traditional operation would be able to do without the use of, of, of data. And Warren, we've, we've spoken already about industry-specific solutions. At a sort of meta level, is, is the supply chain and supply chain issues for a banana producer or someone who wants to sell bananas, are they essentially the same issues as someone who's selling iPhones or selling exercise equipment or selling textbooks, or are they very industry-specific notions, the, the structure of the chains and the sort of challenges you might face? I would say that there are um, there's a class of problems that are common across all supply chains, but each individual commodity or product 
um, has some variations on that. A classic one is the differentiation between what we call you know, ambient freight, so freight that can be uh, transported at any temperature, and um, a critical freight where you have to maintain particular conditions around temperature or humidity or not exposing it to shock, for example. So um, typically there are classes of problems that are common to some industries and there are classes of problems that are common to all of the supply chains. That's the first time I've ever heard the phrase ambient freight. I'm loving this. John, most people had never considered the supply chain or heard of it or understood how interweaved it was with day-to-day living probably until we ran out of toilet paper in early 2020 and things like that. There's already these challenges, as you've said, things like the Olympics and all that, but as as the pandemic started to hit, how far out did experts like yourself realise there could be some real issues here or were the problems deeper seated and did they come on quicker than even the experts were seeing? I think the problems were always there, Adam. I think what caught all of us off guard and including ourselves and, and, and when I was still in the supply chain role was how quickly problems that we knew were there became just you know, huge fires that we needed to put out. And I think what COVID did is it created a massive shift in buying behavior. And that shift was quicker than the operations were ever able to uh, respond against. And, and if, you think of, if you think of Telstra, and if you think of the consumer business and the retail, imagine having an, a situation in which you're preparing to launch a new device. So of course, what do you do? You send all of the devices to the stores. But then COVID comes and literally you're in a caught up in a situation in which exactly at the same time as you're sending all of the stock to the stores to be able to, for them to be able to do their sales for the next three to four days, stores are now asked to shut down and consumers overnight move to a digital buying environment. So you're having to now literally get all of that stock back into a warehouse, receive it, account for it stock it in the right place, and then starting to accommodate for the orders that are coming through a different channel. That happened everywhere around the world exactly at the same time. So what happened was this advent of change in buyer behavior just escalated the need for this quick responsiveness that supply chain, that the people expect from supply chain. Right? You mentioned toilet paper. Everyone's getting their supermarket shopping from Coles or Woolies or any other retailer in Australia online. And, and people get frustrated if what you buy that morning doesn't get to your house that night. Imagine having that conversation 10 years ago, right? It would have been like a Jetsons conversation that could have never been imagined. But it's here now. And, and COVID, all, the only thing COVID did is it just brought forward this buyer behavior. And that's just one of the many things that changed. That, that, that's fascinating. So I've, I've, I've never even thought that aspect of it. You, silly me thinks that if, if I order something online from Coles, Someone just goes and gets it off the shelf of my local coals and puts it in a box for me. So it's the same. But it, it's a fundamentally different process of stocking and ordering and distributing and the like. And what you're describing there is almost like a perfect storm of these legacy issues. And then I believe it was something like a 65% increase on online sales and average across industries. Warren, how much of these challenges were legacy issues? How much was brought on in the immediacy of the last 18 months, two years? Um, so I'd say many of the challenges are longstanding in the industry and it's just, you know, the, the last two years have brought them into sharp relief. 
Um, so if you look at things like you know security, efficiency, and delivering a great customer experience, those are always going to be um, uh, high priorities for supply chain industries. Um, and things like you know make sure you've got the right capable devices and connectivity and all of that is crucial to doing that. Um, but we've seen some of the um, some of the challenges change. For example, employee safety has always been a prime focus for the industry, but COVID brought additional complexities with things like the meat processing industry, for example, suddenly unable to get a lot of people on site. Organisations having to um, manage very closely the density and proximity of staff in their environments. So we find things like you know video analytics have proven a very very powerful tool in that space. Um, one of the other things that's very much come to the fore is obtaining people with the skills um, that they need. That's become an absolutely critical constraint for um, lots of organisations. And one of the things that, that re they're realising is that their tech environment is actually one of the powerful tools or blockers for attracting skilled workforce. So that's also become a, a very important factor. And of course, because it is difficult to get uh, the right staff, we're seeing a lot of additional drive and renewed interest in technologies like automation and assistive robotics. Yeah, I want to dive into some of those sexy new tech very soon. But just quickly, Warren, at the end of, I think, 2021, a significant bill was passed through the Australian Parliament, the, the Security Legislation Amendment, brackets, critical infrastructure bill, close brackets. Why was this important for Australian businesses? Okay, for, uh, for Australian businesses that own or operate critical infrastructure, and some of that is in supply chains, um, there are you know, three new requirements that are, are probably really important. The first is to you know, register ownership, where ownership sits of um, assets and who controls it and who has access to it, very importantly. There's a need to meet particular risk management requirements and of particular focus is uh, cyber security around that and a need to notify when cyber incidents occur, which also means you know, a, a greater ability to be aware of them. Um, and that's challenging for a number of organisations. I mean, many organisations already have great uh, risk and security management practices. Um, and for them, you know, the main challenge is just going to be being able to evidence those. But um, in supply chain industries, we talk about the split between what we call OT, which is the technology that runs machinery, etc., and your traditional IT. Um, and one of the things is the security approaches in operational technology often lag IT. Um, Operational technology, things like conveyor belts and the systems that run them, have a much longer lifespan, so there's a lot of legacy. Um, and also, uh, OT in many organisations isn't even under the remit of the traditional IT organisation who has that strong security focus. Uh, so typically operators who are operating OT-heavy infrastructure are probably going to have a more challenging journey around compliance than, than others. John, you've been in the industry for a while, as we said. You talk to customers every day. We've had these, this perfect storm. It's hopefully got as bad as it's going to get. You can tell me if it has or not. What are supply chain leaders and major players saying now as we're moving into 2022? Where are we at? Um, I think everyone's accepting this is the new norm, Adam. And maybe that's a way of conceding or, or accepting that things are not going to get, oh, maybe, I'm not sure if, if you could say that things are going to get better. I think this is just, this is just redefining the baseline of what is expected from a supply chain. Right? So, so, so if, if you start with that, 
the, the uh, you know, and Warren alluded to it, which is something that him and I are absolutely very passionate and aligned on, which is uh, the conversations that I'm having with the uh, CIOs and, and, and CEOs of logistics, retail, and agri companies when it comes down to supply chain is, what do I need to do to make sure that I can keep up and that I can make sure that, you know, the things that just make, you know, businesses tick, how can I make sure that customer experience is being met? Whilst at the same time, I'm doing what I need to do, which is taking cost out of the operations in ways that are conducive to, you know, the financial expectations that operations always have. But then Warren mentioned this already, especially in an environment in which, you know, I mean, I'm probably going to get my numbers wrong, but Australia posts numbers in December. Uh, they were just every day was a record breaking day of how many parcels they were sending right? And during, during, during the December and the, and the holiday period. So if that's the case, how can they maintain that level of service while still creating a safe working environment for the men and women that, because logistics at the end of the day is about people, right? And we got to keep those people safe. So it's, it's, it, all the conversations we're having are really very much anchored on that and recognizing that the advent of volumes coming through digital channels and the advent of technologies that Warren's mentioned and that, and that, you know, and that we, we, we are seeing coming into the region means that a lot of data is being generated and they're, you know, everyone's very aware of the fact that I know the data pool is there, but I probably don't know how to turn that into the insights and the value that I need to be able to kind of start chipping away at those pillars of opportunity that they want to talk to us about. No, I, I should just say quickly to anyone from Australia Post who is listening, I, I, I got married a few weeks ago towards the end of January. And in the lead up to that, my wonderful, amazing wife did sample quite a few potential dresses for her and the sort of bridal party. So maybe those sort of record days, the top end of that might come off slightly. Hope she's not listening as I say that. Um, Warren, let, let's look at some of the exciting new tech. Let's look at where Telstra is now. Give us a couple of quick examples, Warren. What are the sort of technologies that we talk about the digitalization aspect of modern supply chains? What sort of technologies are helping businesses digitize their operations? Well, two, two of the fundamental forms of digitization in supply chains is understanding where vehicles are and understanding where freight and assets is. So we've got a range of telematic solutions to help understand where vehicles are, how they're performing, and also asset tracking solutions to help understand where freight and critical assets is and, and what condition it is. And the good thing about the combination of, of those two is you can perform analytics on top that do things like improve driver safety and compliance, uh, ensure that vehicles are well maintained so that they're running efficiently and spending less time off the road. Um, they enable route optimization. One of the things that we're often good at in Australia is shipping around trucks full of empty, full of air that uh, doesn't add a lot of value. Um, and also minimizing shrinkage and wastage in the supply chain so that, you know, uh, we don't spend a lot of effort growing food that then becomes unusable on its journey into the stores, for example. So those two have simultaneously the ability to lift safety, efficiency, reduce costs, and ensure more sustainable supply chains. So that's pretty powerful. In in, the, in an earlier episode of Behind the Mic, we talked about uh, um, monitoring temperature from the moment a piece is produced or packed all the way through until its arrival. That also reduces the risk that things are going to go off, it allows you longer time that it can sit on the shelves on its best before dates, reduces waste, increases customer confidence in product and the like, for example. Even if incidents do occur on the along the supply chain, 
realizing that some particular goods have been outside of what we call the time temperature index, so how long they've been outside uh, the optimum range story, uh, temperature range, um, can help you make decisions like, okay, we'll actually divert that produce, say, you know, berries or things like that, to um, a, a local store or for local distribution rather than taking them into the state, and they'll still be sell sellable and still give a really great experience and shelf life to the customer um, while avoiding that wastage. So, John, let me ask you, because Telstra's bread and butter, most people listening to this would think of Telstra as a networks tech company. Why focus now on industry and supply chain? And in particular, in such a big issue as we've outlined here, what areas is Telstra really going to focus its energy on? Yeah, um, and this is very much the same question we get uh, because uh, when Warren and I come in and talk to our customers about this, we do get the raised eyebrow, which tells me they're half interest, but at the same time, they're saying, I don't understand why Telstra wants to talk to me about this, right? But so kind of jumping up a little bit from what Warren said, you know, yes, we are a connectivity-based technology provider, solutions provider, right? Uh, we, we are there to to connect the businesses and to be able to, for them to, to do what they need to do with those services and products. Um, if you grab, for example, what Warren started off with, which is telematics, and then you overlay on top of, tele, of the telematics solution and uh, the, um, the uh, traceability tools that, that Warren was talking about, we then have the opportunity of bringing in things like Purple, which is you know uh, um, a great a great asset that we've got as a business that can come do in professional services that can kind of enhance the products that we're doing. So what you're doing is my very crude language is you're slowly moving up the technology stack, but in a way that is logical and and in a way that is very much bottom up, not top down. And and what I mean by that, Adam, is a top down approach is probably a more traditional approach that's been used in the industry. Me having been on the seat of running operations for supply chains that I would receive from a lot of technology firms, which is, let me help you build a strategy. And then behind that, we'll tell you the technology that will help you deliver that strategy. And that's that's a great approach. And it's it's quite powerful. And it's generated tons of innovation in the industry. But what we're doing is we're coming up very much from a bottom up approach that says, we understand how your business operates from a connectivity standpoint. Let us help you jump off from that connectivity-based relationship we have with you by starting to add to it in a modular way that starts and ends with connectivity. I hope that made sense because it really isn't about the top-down for us. You know, Warren and I always talk about this very kind of tactical, bottom-up, hands-on, roll your sleeves up, sit down with an operations person at, with a, at, at the customer side and understand their business bottom-up. I don't want to build them a 300-deck PowerPoint slide to talk that tells them how to do supply chain better because that's not our jam, right? That's not what we want to do. We want to help them through technology, but yes, like you said, starting with connectivity. Let me ask you, Warren, we're getting close to the end of the podcast. When you get that raised eyebrow from people and they're not quite sure why it all seems too much, what's your bit of advice on how customers can get started playing in this space? I find that a really simple place to start is focus on your key business processes. So there's any number of things that you could digitize and optimize and improve in your business, but start focusing on your key business processes. Look at the critical decision points that are really important along those processes. Then look at the data that drives those decisions and ask yourself, do you have the right data? Is it digitized? Is the quality of the data where you need it to be? Is it verifiable and secure right from the source? And do you get it in a timely enough manner? And the answer to those will really help you understand what are the critical problem points that you need to tackle first. 
Fantastic. We're going to wrap it up, gentlemen. We are flat out of time talking supply chain. I can't guarantee I can get copyright permission to play a bit of music under the close of the podcast. But if I do, and I had to pick something with a chain theme, would you most prefer to be played out with the old classic chain of Fools, uh, Unchain My Heart, or Tina Arena's pop classic with the very gentle S&M overtones, I'm in Chains? Do we have any preference, John, Young Flores, or Warren Jennings? Oh, Tina Arena, any day. <laughs> you fine with that, Warren? <laughs> I'm fine with that, but I'm also a bit old school, so I'd actually favour anything by the seminal Australian blues band chain. There you go. I think I'm unlikely to get permission for any of it, but I'll see what I can do. Guys, thank you so much for shining a light on a fascinating and, and much misunderstood and undervalued part of modern industry. John Young Flores and Warren Jennings, thanks so much for your time on Telstra Behind the Mic. Thanks, Adam. Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs>